This is the Mark Stucheski Podcast. She's a lawyer turned coach who helps people live happier, easier, priority-aligned aligned lives. Her name is Becky Morrison. Becky, welcome to the show. Mark, thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. I, You know, I almost couldn't read my own writing, which is really sad. Um, you're a happiness gal. I am, I, I which is sort that. of weird. Uh, given that I come from a legal background. I know. I was just going to say that. How did you like were too happy in court at one time and the judge says, objection. You're like, objection to me. Um, is that how or did, what, what pulled you from the legal profession into being a happiness coach? Um, so, I mean, it was sort of a long process and it started when I had been a litigator for about four years. Um I had a moment, I call it my bathtub moment. I found myself on a Tuesday evening at 8.30 at night, sitting on the floor of the bathroom with my notebook perched on top of the closed toilet seat cover and papers scattered all around me and cordless phone clipped to the back of my belt, trying to talk our experts through getting prepared for trial while also trying to bathe my toddler. And I had two thoughts in super quick succession. I The first thought was, look at me, like I'm killing it. This is literally, you know, like couldn't, couldn't get better. Um, and then the next thought was, this is exhausting, right? I, I, this is unsustainable. I cannot continue this way. And that sort of began a journey of really trying to figure out as I walked through the sort of subsequent seasons of my life, what I needed to make me happy, what I needed to make me tick. Wow. You know, that sounds like a chapter of a book, the bathtub moment. It's just ready made for it. So I don't know if that's in your book or not, but I, I love that title, the bathtub moment. Uh, it is not its own chapter, but it is absolutely in the book. Yeah. You know, and I think if we're all honest, we all have those moments. For me, it was when I was fired from my job in corporate America back in July 2005. I, I cringed to think, had I not been fired, would I still be working for that company? Would I even have the podcast? Would I be an entrepreneur? I don't know. So at the moment, we're like, we're, you know, we're at the fork in the road, but we reflect back on it like, oh, I'm glad that kind of happened. You're probably glad you had the bathtub moment. I am glad I had that moment. I think it was really important to, like I said, kicking off this place or this inquiry of what do I actually want? And because I had lived life up until that point, kind of in the world of shoulds, right? Mm. I should go to a good school. I should get good grades. I should graduate. I should find a good job. I should, you know, go to graduate school. I sh same thing over and over and had landed in this place where I had been very successful in graduate school, got a great job in big law, was on the partnership track. And that was that it was then that I had the very first time, the very first thought of, is this really what I want? I love how Tony Robbins says it. We're, we're shooting all over ourselves. <laughs> it's true. And, and that doesn't get you to where you want to go. So why happiness? Why when you left, or was it uh, kind of like where they merged together? In other words, your legal profession was uh, coming to an end and you're, you wanted to help people be happier. So tell us about that journey. So, I mean, like I would love to say I got right from that bathtub moment into this, this life of being focused on happiness, but that's not how it went. I mean, that bathtub moment happened probably over seven, or I'm sorry, over 15 years ago. Wow. And so from there, there were, you know, sort of a series of events that led me to really 
make a job change. And at the time, I didn't have the expansiveness to see beyond the world of legal. And so what I ended up doing was switching from being a practicing lawyer to being on the admin side of law firms, which gave me a ton more flexibility and allowed me to be more present for my family. And it was a great fit for the chapter I was in. So it was a kind of a continuing evolution of taking these turns to the next thing that fit where I was until um, three years ago, approximately, um, when I found myself at loose ends. And really, that was another time where I went even deeper on what is it that I want to do? What is possible? What is it that would really make me happy? And I landed on helping other people be successful. And so landed in this world of coaching. Um, and from there, really thought back across the sort of story of my life and the experience I had coaching and managing people. And then the experience I had in my in my coaching journey early to say, okay, what I really want to do is help people figure out how to incorporate more happiness into their daily lives right now and not wait for when. You know, this is a side note, but this is my show and this is how my brain works. Why do lawyers and doctors practice? Just haven't they got it right yet? They went to medical school. They went to law school. So this is how my, this is how my mind works, Becky. (laughs) Do you want the answer? I I don't know the answer, but here's what I think. I think the answer is both of those professions started out as apprenticeship based professions, not school based professions. Ah, Okay. That's my guess. That's my guess why we talk about it that way. Well, listener, if you know the answer, please uh, let us know because I'm curious because I don't practice being a productivity expert. I don't practice being a podcaster. I just do. But anyways, that's a side note. So we're going through this thing. It's not, I guess it's no longer called a pandemic. It's called an endemic, which means it's going to be here like forever. Um, A lot of people are not happy. And I believe that you choose your happiness. I know people who have lost their jobs, uh, you know, they have no money. They burn through their savings. Uh, they don't know how they're going to feed the family and they're happy. And I also know people who are very, very, very wealthy and they're not happy. So I don't think money, I think money's a magnifier for who you are. So let's talk about happiness in the age of COVID. Yeah. I mean, I actually think the, the age of COVID is the perfect moment to be talking about happiness because it's sort of forced upon us this kind of global era of reprioritization, right? We've had to get really clear on what matters most, what we're going to spend our time on, how we're going to do it, and where we're going to find happiness in this very changed reality. And so for that reason, I think it's like, there's no better time than right now to be having this conversation. So let's imagine somebody listening to our conversation today, they're not happy. They, whatever reason, they're stressed, lost a job, doesn't matter. What are some things they can do today? Because I like to get really practical, really tactical with my listener and give them something they can do today. So what are some really easy steps that they can start embracing happiness despite everything that's going on in their life? So I think the easiest first step is to really take the time to get an understanding of what I call your essential sources of joy. Let me explain what I mean. And I'm going to use an example to try and make it a little more concrete. I don't mean to just focus on vacation, which is going to be my example, but I think it's helpful because it's one we can all relate to. Mm -hmm. So when I ask people where their happiness comes from, I usually get one of two responses, either sort of a pause and a, huh, I'm not really sure. Or I get some surface answers, like I'm super happy when I'm on vacation, or I'm super happy when I'm, you know, playing games with my family or whatever the thing is. 
And that's great because it provides us a starting point for the inquiry. But let's talk about vacation. Most of us like vacation. If I ask you, though, what is it about vacation that makes you happy? And I ask, let's say, 25 people, I'm probably going to get 25 different answers. Mm. And then we keep digging down layer by layer. And that helps us understand our essential source of happiness. And I'll give you even a more concrete example. I was talking to someone recently and asked them this question. And they, you know, ran through sort of the obvious answers like, oh, I like it because I have freedom. I like it because I have space. I like it because I'm with my family. And then they said, you know, actually, though, we go on most of our vacations to this one spot on the beach. And what I like is I can get up in the morning and I can take a walk and I can have an hour of quiet time and think about my life. Hmm. And so if you think about that as an example, if you never got to go on vacation again, or you know you can't go on vacation, say this year because of COVID, but you know that what brings you joy on vacation is taking quiet time in the morning to think about your life, how can you do that today? How can you incorporate that into your current existence? And so that's where really understanding the essence of what brings us happy makes it so much more attainable. Hey there, it's Mark, and I want to invite you to become a Mark Stuchowski Insider and get the top five productivity tips for entrepreneurs absolutely free. It all happens over at MrProductivity.com. I love that. That is such a concrete example because you know, I, I've talked to people. They're like, well, I'll be happy when dot, dot, dot. <laughs> and when the when happens, well, you're happy for a moment. Let's say you know, I heard the... Recently, someone talked about you get a brand new car. You're so happy about the brand new car. But as the days and the weeks go by and maybe you get a little scratch on the car and you get, you know, terrified, then you get another one. And by the third one, you're like, I don't care. It's not no longer bringing you joy. I don't care if it's a car, a house, a new gizmo. It doesn't matter because the thing, to your point, the thing is not going to make you permanently happy. It's got to come from inside. And I think so many people are looking at like uh, when I used to be in the corporate world, oh, I can't wait the three-day week. I'm so happy. Are you really? Are you really happy the three-day weekend? Or are you happy about the experience you're going to have? Maybe you're going to go to a family union, a picnic, whatever the case may be. And I think people get tied up into the temporary happiness, which you and I both know doesn't last. Right. Right. And it's because we're focused on this surface level of what we believe will make us happy. And often when I have this conversation that you you point out another good, you know, another thing that sometimes happens is people say, well, I'll be happy when I make partner. I'll take a legal example, right? Well, what is it about making partner that's going to make you happy? Like, let's talk about it because you might be able to establish that actually making partner isn't going to be all that exciting or all that relevant other than it's going to be a check the box achievement. Or you might get really clear on what you're going to be able to do at that point that you reach partner and it's going to be amazing and you want to you want to continue to strive and achieve and work towards that goal because you now can really understand the payoff. You make a, a very good point there. We need to stop. Uh, mm. Listener, you need to stop and and gift yourself the time to go someplace quiet and, and don't be on your phone and just think about what makes you happy. I think we're so busy working, whether at home or at work, and then when we're not at home or at work, what are we doing? We're on social media or we're watching some video. 
look at your brain, your subconscious mind speaks to you in a whisper. So if you're constantly barraged by noise, you're not going to be able to hear the still small voice that's going to be telling you what makes you happy. And I think in this day and age where the internet and all the apps that go with it is on 24, seven, 365. I don't think people take the time to go and be quiet. I think we're always in the rush for the next new app, the next new video, the next new streaming program, and we're not quiet. And I think if we took time to get quiet, I think we could really tap in to find out what really makes us happy. Do you agree? I do agree. And actually, I think that is another way in, or one of the ways in which coaching can be really powerful because it can create a container for that conversation. Mm. Um that we don't often give ourselves. It's hard to be quiet in today's world. I mean, it re- really is. Even if you have a strong mindfulness practice, even if you're good at it, like there things move a million miles a minute. It is hard to be quiet. It is hard to set the technology down. It's hard not to respond to the ding of the text or the email. Mm-hmm. Um, it's hard. And you know, coaching is just one way and it's definitely not the only way, but the beauty of coaching, at least the way that I do it with my clients is that's an hour twice a month where you are in a container that you are only focusing on you and you are allowing your voice and your thoughts, the space to be explored and heard. Yeah. I love you brought up coaching because I've had clients come through me uh, and we're having a conversation but I let them do most of the talking and they're like, well, I thought you were going to teach me something. No, the whole point of coaching is here's my issue. And then we go back and forth. But if you really want to get better, let me use this analogy. If you go to the doctor mm-hmm. and you don't tell the doctor what the problem is, he's not going to sit there and guess. You have to say, here's my problem. This hurts. Or when I do this, it hurts, but you got to tell the doctor, you also got to be very communicative with your coach. Okay. Yep. And to your, what you also mentioned, I thought was really uh, interesting a few minutes ago. You have to dig deeper because very, very rarely the first thing a client tells us is the true issue. We have to get our yeah. shovels out as coaches and start digging. Okay. Why is that? Why is that? I heard, uh, I read someplace or heard of someplace the seven whys. You ask why seven times and you go mm-hmm. deeper and deeper and deeper because we have to get to the root of what's causing this. And it's never, I won't say never, but very rarely is it the problem that's on the surface. That's right. And I've had more than a few coaching sessions where we make a lot of progress, you know, during the first 45 minutes. But the last 15 minutes, when we've sort of finally hit the depth of the issue, that's where the breakthrough happens. Mm-hmm. Right. And it is about exploring. And yeah, as a coach, it's my job to create the container, to create the space to ask the questions that help you dig. And also a big part of what I do is like a reflection and connection of dots, right? Like reminding you that on the first why you said this, and now you're on the fifth why and you're saying something totally different. There's a tension there and we need to talk about that or at least recognize it, right? And so being able to offer that mirror to people is really, really, really powerful. Um, and again, it's not coaching is not the only way. I obviously believe strongly in it so strongly that I do it for my job. But, um, but yeah, one of the keys that I learned uh, after being a coach for several years was effective coaches are very good listeners because if you're not hearing not just the words that your client says, but the tone 
Are they saying it with boldness? Are they saying it timidly? And you have to pick up all these things. Even when you're on a Zoom call, you got to be mm-hmm. watching them. What are they doing? I had a client recently that, you know, we started delving. He said, this is my goal. And I started working with that on that with them. But they didn't want to put the work in. They said, nah, it's not for me. Like, okay, I respect that. Are you sure? Yep. Okay. Because he didn't want to put the work. I don't, you know, anything that you really want in a life is going to take some effort. And yep. it's like, I also had somebody hit me up on social media a couple of years ago that said they want to be a coder. I'm like, oh, that's great. You know, we need coders. So I said, um, how much coding do you do every day? She goes, I, I don't do any coding. I'm like people who don't even, who aren't even going to training for coding, they spend most of their days coding and you haven't even started. I think you may not want to be a coder. I think you want to be a coder because it's the hot thing today. But if you're yeah. not living, dream, dreaming, uh, trying new things and coding, then you probably don't want to be a coding. And it's the same thing like if you want to be a coach or if you want to be a farmer. If you're not really obsessed about that, you probably don't want to do that thing. That's right. And I think you make a good point, too. It is about picking up on all the cues, right? Like I was just in a coaching session um, earlier this week. And you know, we're going through exactly this kind of conversation. Well, I want to do this. I want to do this. I want to do this. And the first four things, it was very clear, like, you know, again, over Zoom, like eye contact to the extent you can have that over Zoom, but looking in the camera, really engaged. And then the fifth was, and I want to do this. And all of a sudden the eyes are in the ceiling and the body language changes. And I'm like, (laughs) what just happened there? Right. And in this instance, it wasn't about what you're describing, which is, I don't really want to do it, but I feel like I should say that I want to do it. This was actually, that is the thing I most want, but I am most afraid I will not be able to do. Ah, so, yeah. And, and by the way, while, while, while you mentioned the eye contact, when you're on Zoom or I use Google Meet because I'm a Google Workspace for Business customer, uh, make sure you're looking at that green dot on your webcam. Don't look at the person you're talking to because then you're not maintaining eye contact. It's very difficult, but that's why that green light, like, blinks really bright. That's where you want to look. Just, that's a little, again, a side note to my show. I can do side notes like that. So yep. um, I want to talk to you about something I haven't talked about my show in a while, but seeing we're both coaches, I want to, I want to go down this road, how to hire a coach, because I I'm sure you have too. you've hired coaches and you didn't, you didn't vet them. You just gave them your money and you got nothing out of it. And I take full responsibility for that because it's my response. I gave them the money. And I tell people, one of the suggestions, I'd like to know a couple of suggestions you have for hiring a coach. I think you'd have have to have a pre-call. Like you and I have a pre-interview call. And you got to, do you click? I mean, if you don't like, if you're a woman and you don't like men coaches, well, don't talk to a man. I don't care how good they are. You don't talk to them. Uh, In my case, maybe you don't like guys who are bald. Maybe you don't like their tone. (laughs) You know, it doesn't matter. Maybe you don't like their accent, but I think you need to have a pre-interview call with any coach and see, do you click? Do you get along on that pre-call? Because if you don't, it's not going to get better in all likelihood. What do you say? Yeah. I mean, I think here's the deal. Coaching is a really, um, in most instances, right? Coaching is a really deep activity. And to get the most out of it, you've got to feel like you're going to be able to tell this person stuff that's hard to say. Mm -hmm. If you can't feel that way on the, the, you know, I call them a fit call, right? If you can't feel that on the fit call, you probably don't want to engage them. I think the other important thing, and you kind of alluded to this earlier in our conversation a lot of people use the word coach to describe themselves. 
Some people are coaches, some people are mentors, and some people are teachers, and they still call themselves coach. And I say that with no judgment about that, but I think when you're looking to hire somebody, you want to be clear on what are you getting? Is it somebody who's a coach? Is it somebody who's a mentor? Is it somebody who's a teacher? Or is it all of the above? And there are some times where what you want is somebody to tell you how to do it. And there are other times where it's going to be more powerful if you develop the solution with support. Mm. And a lot of times when we're in the midst of being stuck or in a problem, what we want is someone to tell us how to do it. But the reality is for a lot of the stuff that I deal with, and so I'll give you some a flavor of what that is, like confidence, imposter syndrome, um, communication, leadership style, the reality is I cannot tell you how to do that the best way for you. You have to figure that out. And you can figure that out with support. And that's what coaching is. Um, and so really getting clear on what it is that you're buying into can be important for getting the value that you're looking for. Hey, I now have an affiliate program where you can earn up to 30% commission just for referring people to my paid program. To find out more, go to mrproductivity.com, scroll to the bottom of the page and click the link. That's so powerful. I remember the first time I hired a coach many, many years ago, I thought that they were just going to magically read my mind and give me all the answers. And they go, no, the answers are already in you. What I do is I coach you to figure out the answers on your own because it, this is not like going to school. This Correct. is like, okay, let's figure out how you can become the best person possible. Like for you, your happiness, me and product productivity, but the answers are already in you. The problem is it's are buried with all the other crap you have going on in your life and a good coach and not all coaches are good. I'm just want to put that out there. I, I've hired my, 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 uh, a great number of bad coaches and you think I'd learn after a while, but again, I own all that because I hired the person. You got to make sure that you do the research. Don't believe the hype. Don't go to their website. Okay research them on Google, research them on LinkedIn, go contact people who left reviews and see if you can jump on a call with them and say, Hey, I heard you heard you. I heard you hired Jane Doe or John Doe. What did you think about them? Really? It's just you and me because most coaches are not cheap. They're very expensive and it's investment. It's not the cost. It's the investment of the coaching. Yep. Yep. That's right. That's so right. I, I want to, before we get to the mic swap, I want to ask you, other than getting clear of what you want, you use the example of the vacations. What are a couple other tips you'd have for us and how we can be, be become happier versions of ourselves? So, I mean, I'll just offer this, this sort of framework for thinking, and it's how I like to think about happiness. So in, in my work and the way I approach it, I believe that the recipe for maximum happiness is actually pretty simple. It's do more of what matters and let go of the rest, mm. right? But simple doesn't mean easy, and there can be a lot of things that get in our way. And so I've kind of broken it down into what I see as kind of the three gaps that might stand between you and executing on that recipe. The first I call the authenticity gap, and that's the one we've kind of already talked about, where do you really know what it is that matters most to your happiness? Um, are you really clear on that, and are you willing to claim it either through your actions or the, through your words? Fast forward, because we're an action-based society, we like to go straight from knowing what we want to going to get it. So that's the third gap. It's the physical energy gap is what I call it. And it's this idea of, are you actually spending your capacity, your time, energy, and resources on the things that matter most to you rather than all of the noise? And so that's where I think like 
the work that you do with productivity is not exclusively there, but that's a big part of what's in that, you know, what's in closing that gap. Then there's the middle gap that I haven't talked about yet, and I'll, it'll I'll, it, this will be quick. But it's it's the bridge that gets us ah. from knowing what we want to executing on it, and it's the mindset stuff. It's the beliefs and feelings that support lasting change of behavior, lasting action, and so it's all of those pieces that need to come together to really begin executing on that formula. In England, they have the saying uh, near the subways. Uh, I guess they call them the no, they call them the tube in England. That's what they call them. Uh, the mind the gap because apparently yep. there's a gap between the platform and the train. So they say mind the gap, and I, that's what came to mind when you talked about the authenticity gap and the physical energy gap. Mind the gap, you know your mindset. You got to be careful of the gap because we all have gaps, and if you're not paying attention, you may fall into one, and that's you right. may be lost forever. <laughs> yeah. So we don't want that to happen. Yeah. And I think it's just bringing, I mean, you said it earlier, slowing down and bringing your awareness to the places that these gaps exist in your life, and then taking some intentional action to close them can be really meaningful to moving the needle on your like today, right now, happiness. I love that. Well, Becky, you gave us a lot to think about in the show today. We're going to flip over to Mike Swap at this point. And this is an opportunity for me to say sharp because you get to be a temporary host of the show. I have no idea what question you're going to ask me. Uh, just don't ask me about credit card or social security numbers. Um, <laughs> but it's just a way to entertain the audience. And it doesn't have to be about productivity. It doesn't have to be about happiness. It can be your favorite color, your favorite sports team. It's just a fun part of the show. So you can ask me anywhere from one to three questions. It's all yours. So, I mean, I am going to ask you about happiness because I always find it interesting to hear how other people think about it. I'm curious, Mark, what you would say your biggest sources of right now happiness are. Well, my, well, there's a couple of things that make me really happy. Number one, my faith in Jesus Christ. Number one, um, you know, he's my, my guiding principle. Number two is my wife. I love my wife tremendously. And if I could just spend all day with her, I would do that. Uh, when you go beneath that, we have a beautiful dog, uh, Gracie, three years old. She still looks like a puppy. It's amazing. Uh, I also love running. I've been running since August 29th, 2017 every day, and it's become a part of my life. And also reading makes me happy. Reading a print book, not an ebook or listening to an audio book. I actually like reading a print book. There's something about holding a book. So those are coming to think, some of the things that make me happy. Okay, so I want you to pick one of those things. And those are all, I mean, awesome things. Um, and I want you to dig one or two layers deeper and tell me what it is or why those things bring you happiness. Just one. Well, I'll just, I'll just pick my wife because yeah. she is my rock, okay? So a lot of people don't realize for many years, I was hardly making any money in my business. And it was a struggle. I would I would go out and hire coaches that I didn't vet, and I'd spend money there. I would go out and get a, a magical co a magical course. I didn't vet it. Money went out there, and she always supported me. Believe it or not, in my life, there's only not a lot of people. There's only two people that really have been cheering me on since birth. Once, well, not since birth, but for the last 15 years. I only been married to my wife for 18 years. Yeah. I don't want to say since birth. I didn't know since her. Birth, yeah. Um, but for many years, that's my my wife and my aunt. Um, okay. they, no matter what I do, they believe in me. And I, I think you need to have people like that. It doesn't matter if you're doing a, having a good day, but a good day, a bad day, you're doing good. You, you messed up a, a launch or you, you, you bought a, you know, hired a coach or bought a course, didn't work out and they don't judge you. 
that yes. makes it so important because if you're afraid, oh man, I bought that course and waste of money. Oh, we could have used the money to buy something else. If you don't have that belief, that's why I tell entrepreneurs, if you don't have support of your spouse, don't become an entrepreneur because you need to have that support from your spouse because you're in this together. Now my wife works with me. So <laughs> it's really important. So, I mean, I, I can't tell you how much I appreciate my wife and especially, you know, a lot of people talk about how COVID was, you know, so horrible. Well, it's kind of a blessing for our family because my wife lost her job because she was in the travel industry. And now she's working for the business and she does things that I hate to do. And quite frankly, she's better at doing it than I am. And as a result, I can focus on what I'm good at. She can do what she's good at. And together we're growing this business, which is utterly amazing. Yeah, that's awesome. And I mean, there's so much in what you just said, right? But a couple of things that jumped out to me are this idea of making sure that you've got people around you who can provide non-judgmental support. Mm-hmm. Right. And right now you have your aunt and your wife, but the question would be like, where can you find more of those people if you need them? Um, and then the other piece that jumped out to me is this last bit that you just said of like being able to bring people on your team when you're an entrepreneur who, who are additive, right? Like who, who take away some of the work that you aren't good at and they're really good at it. That's such an exciting feeling. So thank you for sharing that. Um, it's fun to think about those things and it's fun to be in a space of gratitude for those things as you talk about them for sure, which I felt. Absolutely. And I tell you, uh, if you have trouble, go, uh, if you have kids, you got the movie frozen, go sing, let it go (laughs) at the top of your lungs. And it took me a long time to let it go because I was a control freak. I didn't want to let it go, but I'm like, you know what? She's better at this stuff than I am. And once I finally let it go, I was able to blossom because now I focus on creating content. She doesn't want to be on a podcast. She doesn't want to create videos and that's okay. She does all that good stuff. You know what? Like I said, I I honestly mean this because she edits my podcast, by the way. I'm not saying it because she has my podcast. She does a better (laughs) job at it than I am. She's more detail oriented. I'm like, I just let it go. She's no, let me fix this stuff. So it really matters. So Two great questions. Thank you so much, Becky. The final question I have for you is where can we go find out more about you and what you're doing in the world? So the easiest place to track me down is on my website, and that is untanglehappiness.com. And there you can kind of see what I'm up to, learn about coaching. But more important than all of that, I've got a book called The Happiness Recipe, A Powerful Guide to Living What Matters. So if you liked the little stuff that we got into here. There's tons more in the book. It's currently available for pre-order on Amazon. You can find the link on my website. Excellent. Well, I want to thank you for being on the show today. We had a great conversation, lots of stuff here. And listener, like I always tell you, it can be overwhelming by listening to everything my guest has to offer. So just pick one thing that Becky talked about and go do that. Don't don't try to do like five or six things because you'll get overwhelmed and you'll quit. So what did Becky say that resonated with you? Go do that and watch your life change. So Becky, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you, Mark. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Mark Stucheski podcast. I really hope it served you well today. Now head on over to my website, mrproductivity.com. Sign up to be a free Mark Stucheski insider. Get my top five productivity tips for entrepreneurs. Absolutely free. It's my gift to you. And until tomorrow, my friend, go be productive.